1: Bring in show music
0: please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer, today on Squawk Pod. We finally closed the first half of the year, and it hasn't been this dismal in decades.
2: Will we right. say this is the worst year since, nine, since 1970, when it's all said and done? I hope not.
0: How the worst performer of that worst first half can turn things around? We're talking Netflix with media watcher Rich Greenfield.
3: The real driver of what's going to make Netflix work again is the content has to be better than it was over the prior six to nine months.
0: And if you're packing for a flight this summer, don't hold your breath. American Airlines pilot Dennis Tasier calls scheduling a mess.
4: Of the uh, over 700 cancellations, 90% of them was because management couldn't connect the pilot
1: to the airplane. This is a failure of the operation.
0: And speaking of vacation, where's Elon Musk?
1: Let's uh, talk about Elon Musk for a second, or maybe the fact that we haven't talked about Elon Musk for a second. Uh, it's, been, it's been a minute, as they say.
0: Plenty of stories to kick off your long weekend. It's July 1st, 2022, and a chock-full Squawk Pod begins right now.
3: Stand, Andrew, by In three,
1: two, one, cue Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan. Becky is off today. It's nice to see you, sir. Wow, look at that. In the flesh, the in two, person. That's not a bad look right there. You right know what there. Say? Just, not, just not, the boys. Not for nothing, but not just in nothing. general.
2: Um, you know, we've got looks and, I, I mean, to some extent,
1: right? You know, but I can't have all of my, you know, Aspen mountainous paraphernalia you on. You could have. Put a, and we could put a, put a, green, screen, <laughs> a green screen behind you, and, and
2: I still think that might have been a green screen.
1: It was real. It was real. And it was real. And wasn't Memorex. Where is it? You know, the GIFTS. The gift. The gift. You there when, a
2: gift. Remember when your parents used to go away? I
1: know. What did you bring me? There's a gift. Yeah. It's in the makeup room. No kidding. It is awaiting you. No kidding. Yeah. That's Just, nice. I, I think of you. I think of you. That's really, good. A- it's really, really nice. I'm now. I'm nervous. Now, uh, you should be.
0: first half of the year is in the books, and it's a brutal story for investors. The Dow fell by more than 15% in the last six months, the tech-heavy Nasdaq down nearly 30% year-to-date, and the S&P 500, which tracks the 500 largest public companies in America, had its biggest one-quarter fall since March 2020, tumbled into bear market territory, and had its biggest first-half decline since... 1970, 52 years. 1970, when gas was 36 cents a gallon. The war
2: basically is a cause for for great...
0: Richard Nixon was in the White House. The New York Knicks were NBA champs. And the top-grossing movie that year, Love Story, featuring a young Ryan O'Neill and Allie McGraw. All that to say, it's been a long time since things have looked quite so bad for stocks. Investors continue to grapple with sky-high inflation and tighter monetary policy. The Federal Reserve, trying to mitigate the surge in prices, hiked the benchmark interest rate 75 basis points in June, its biggest increase since 1994. All of this escalates fear in the markets and concern that a recession is just about here. Let's get back to Joe and Andrew. I really
2: do wonder what we're going to be saying at the end of uh, the end of the year versus the midpoint. I mean, it's not a good start The worst in 50 years. Meaning you 52 think 52 years. No, will we oh, right. say this is the worst year this, since, nine, since 1970,
1: when it's all said and done? It's I hope a not. tough year, but I don't know if we're- we, if we, we, we may, Terrible first half. We may take back some of this, depending on if, you, if we see a switch in terms of the inflationary fears. It might be a better story. Yeah, well, Maybe. Well, let's talk about this first, because number one,
2: um, I did I did this not know I didn't know that I did not know that Paul Samuelson was Larry Summers' uncle. I don't know whether you realize that, but the, Paul Samuelson. Refer, that,
1: we're referring to, we're to playing, an op ed in the and, Wall Street Journal right. this morning called growth, not austerity is the answer to And it's a couple of, of hardcore supply siders, Art Laffer uh, and
2: Stephen Moore, but it it touches on something we've talked about a lot, and that is that uh, inflation is bad, but it seems strange to try to to cause higher unemployment and slower growth. It, it, it's a bad tool to have to use, and you wish you didn't have to do that. But it has been. That's part of the doctrine from from really famous people like Nobel uh, laureate Paul Samuelson, who I didn't know was was Larry's uh, uncle. That was the book for my e- intro econ course economics it was what everybody used college textbook paul Samuelson, and he actually said at one time in 1980 that five to ten years of austerity in which the unemployment rate rises to an eight or nine uh, percent average and real output only inches upward at one or two percent might accomplish a gradual taming of inflation so we've tried to do that but can you imagine sacrificing five or ten years of austerity And the point of this piece is, and Judy Shelton's made that point, you don't try to make producing goods when there's a bottleneck. You don't raise interest rates so it's harder to produce those goods. That's what we're going to do right now. Anybody who wants to expand, anyone who wants to add to the supply, anyone who wants to start a business, anyone who wants to expand a business, we're raising the cost of doing that when we raise interest rates. His point, and this probably a lot of circles would not like, once again, we get back to tax cuts, productivity, um, lowering capital gains rates. All those things are what will cause growth, which eventually might tame inflation well, so without austerity. So is there, that possible?
1: To me, there's two pieces to this. So one, Paul Krugman, who's on, who you would think is on the other side of this, would say, why not let the economy run right. out? What's the problem? He comes at it from a different you know, what's point the problem view? with inflation, right? right, to some degree? I think the question is, do, is inflation a problem? Do you believe it's a problem? Do you believe it's a regressionary tax on everybody and everything? And if you believe that, then stability is the story. And, and what the Fed is doing, or at least trying to accomplish at this point in the ballgame, even if you think they're behind the ball, which they are, um, is the right answer. If if you think that either these gentlemen or Krugman on both sides of the aisle, um, uh, but I think Krugman comes
2: at it from the viewpoint that he wouldn't be cutting taxes; he'd probably be raising taxes to fund more government spending, which is not what these guys are. These sure. guys are saying the growth has to come in the private sector, not in, not
1: in the. I think the, the government issue right sector. now is we are uh, we are. I mean, we've talked about the, how perverse it is. We are trying to avoid growth. Right. We are trying to tamp down growth. We want growth to be less not more. Right. So it's so this is a very philosophical <laughs> t- t- No, not it's not that
2: philosophical to think that we we actually are going to try to uh to raise unemployment, to raise the That's what we're trying to do. There's no question. To, to lessen demand
1: and that just seems perverse. Doesn't Unless seem like it. But if you d- if you decide that long term you create an even bigger problem. I mean, with inflation right. if inflation is is truly runaway and some people would argue do it you already think is.
2: do you th- see any merit to the notion that private sector growth could be better than trying to just tamp down uh, all growth i would just suggest that,
1: that's, that i growth, mean this that, is a supply siders well, dream. i would just suggest that, that and, and they call it growth, trickle down i think well i i guess my law, bigger worry is for everybody who's going to the pump to, to fill up their car and go this weekend and buy all sorts of food that they're going to barbecue, if those costs keep going up and wages don't, which they won't, any growth is going to hurt this story. Right. You, so do, I, I'm not, it's, it's a very strange thing to say, I don't want growth, but right. at, at this moment, you know, arguing for growth is not necessarily a better outcome for most you, uh, missed, folks at the barbecue, Did you hear all
2: the, the songs that, did you hear what was going on in 1970? yesterday I, I, I don't missed think that by that. about seven years guess, guess what one of the this you get this because you made a bid for the glove yes Then you you wanted the glove ABC oh was yes Jackson 5 ABC was one of the tops ABC there was no Michael Jackson he I, hadn't done the moonwalk yet in 1970 hmm the Beatles broke up in 1970 I read this tweet
1: this morning from a lovely lady. oh from Blake did you see lady. that picture um with your last name then you saw the picture i look like and i saw the tweet staying alive i look
2: like the beaches um what else happened i nixon invaded cambodia Beatles broke up hunter biden was born i just threw that in for you thank you (laughs) do you Um, remember andy gibb i do i mean i remember the music that's where they got that uh that haircut i think let me see if i can do that that pose we get to
1: get your tree now (laughs) yeah you were born harder for you 77 so I missed this whole, whole period. I was like partying
2: hard in Boulder in 77. I, I, I bet you were. I bet <laughs> you were. Facebook uh, parent Meta warning employees to expect a tough second half of the year as the economy wobbles and the company deals with challenges uh, to its own advertising business. Reuters reports that CEO Mark Zuckerberg told employees in a weekly Q and A, that the company has cut its engineering hiring plans for this year by at least thirty percent. He also said, "Meta is going to leave some pos- uh, positions unfilled." And the, the quote that we talked about earlier that really stuck out uh, from uh, from this uh, when Zuckerberg said about employees: "Realistically, there are probably a bunch of people at the company yeah, what do you think about this who shouldn't be here." Yeah. Um. What did Welch remember? The late great Jack Welch used to say: "The uh, just if you're in the bottom 10%, we're going to find you in. We're going to find a new bottom 10% because you're going to be gone." Um, it, it seems harsh, I guess, but uh, you know, it's not a not nonprofit organization. Yeah, there's a whole
1: book about. There's, there's a book out right now about Jack Welch and, and yeah. this critique. But the flip side of that on the 10% piece, and a lot of people have looked yeah. at that and they say, oh, that's terrible. The truth is, if you're hiring somebody, think about this. If you're hiring people, constantly hiring people, do you think you're 100% right about who you've hired? Uh, no. Never. 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 Right. If you're, if you're batting better than 60 70%, you're probably doing pretty well, which means, in truth, that call it 20, 30 percent of the people that have been hired are probably the wrong fit or match for what you're doing lemons now slackers no all i'm saying is that then if you say okay i'm gonna i'm gonna take the 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 bottom ten percent by default right. you know, you're know, probably i, I want to say I, I just i just i'm pushing back a little bit See, on I, the ten percent thing right. i know that seems so harsh and draconian but right. at the same time i think people have to recognize the truth about what happens on the hiring end
2: my view is that Zuckerberg is like now looking at what he said about the metaverse and saying, geez, what was I thinking? I'm going to need 30% less because this is like, I'm going back to Facebook. I'm going back to social media because this is like a fool's errand. I know you don't think,
1: you don't think that. Necessarily. No, I, it, by the way, I, it's not clear to me that, that Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook are going to be the winners of the metaverse but, either. but hard to know. Let's uh, talk about Elon Musk for a second, or maybe the fact that we haven't talked about Elon Musk for a second. Uh, it's been it's been a minute, as they say. It's actually been uh, pretty quiet, oddly enough, on the Elon Musk front, and that has uh, the Wall Street Journal uh, pointing out that the billionaire hasn't tweeted in nine days. He's gone on a, uh, a tweet vacation of sorts. It's his uh, first break like this in nearly five years. It followed a period it's in weird. which he was especially active on the platform. He's agreed, of course, to buy. Twitter's share price right now is well below that 54 20 deal price, sitting at 37.47 this morning. So lots of speculation about why Elon Musk is... Uh, it's weird. It's weird. But and he you hasn't know, tweeted in that long. Maybe he's actually gone on vacation. Maybe, could maybe be. you know, maybe he heard a thumb. You know, he heard a thumb and he can't, he can't type. He could take a cool vacation, I'm pretty sure. But, you know, he also famously prides himself on, and he likes to tell people uh, uh, that he never takes vacation. Right. You know, I haven't taken a vacation in, you know, a decade. So, I don't know. He, he recently
2: looked a little bit glum on an interview that he gave at some point. He just didn't seem to have quite the swagger. It's a tough time, I think, for for it's A good. time for everybody.
5: Good.
0: To see photographic evidence of Joe Kernan in 1970, check out our Twitter feed. We're at SquawkCNBC. Send us any comments there, too. And coming up next on SquawkPod, pilots and passengers alike have been frustrated by airline management as prices and cancellations spike. Pilot union spokesman Dennis Taser has been raising alarm since he joined us just last month.
4: They are pilot pushing and they are narrowing the margin of safety. Our fatigue calls have gone up tenfold. And this has just got to stop.
0: Captain Taser is back today with another frustrating update.
4: I just came back from flying late last night. Flew this week. Clear skies. It was an unmitigated mess. These passengers had 100,000 passengers this week at American Airlines. American in one day had 44% of the
1: cancellations.
0: our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is SquawkPod. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin.
1: American Airlines has now offered its pilots pay raises totaling nearly 17% under a new contract, according to an internal video from CEO uh, Robert's system that was viewed by CNBC it comes less than a week now after rival United Airlines and its pilots union reached a tentative deal for a 14 percent raise within 18 months. American CEO saying the company matched United's quote industry leading pay. In meantime, our next guest has an inside view of how airlines are handling the crushing airport crowds as the most acute phase of the pandemic recedes. I want to welcome Captain Dennis Tager, a pilot with American Airlines. He also serves as a spokesman for the Allied Pilots Association and Union Representing 15,000 American Airlines pilots. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good to be with you. You know, we talk about. I want to talk about cancellations and everything, but I do want to talk about costs. Uh, I'm all for people getting paid more, but uh, uh, you guys have uh, done an extraordinary job on for your pilots uh, to get paid a lot more. That is, though, going to get passed on to consumers. By my math, and you tell me if this is wrong. A narrow body captain at the top of the scale is now going to earn about $340,000. That would be $45,000 more than they did last year. A wide-body captain at the top of the scale is going to earn about $425,000 a year. That would be a $64,000 increase annually. Yeah, well, Mr. Isom has uh,
4: provided an offer. We don't have an agreement. What we're all fighting for is to have a more reliable airline and one that actually lives up to our passengers' deep investment with their tickets to get them from A to B. I just came back from flying late last night, flew this week, clear skies. It was an unmitigated mess. These passengers had 100,000 passengers this week at American Airlines. American in one day had 44% of the cancellations. Um, Of the uh, over 700 cancellations, 90 percent of them was because management couldn't connect the pilot to the airplane this is a failure of the operation it's got to stop it's got to get fixed and i'm telling you it comes from scheduling practices they're pushing us right to the edge pilots are being pushed out into days off therefore causing fatigue the flights get canceled this solution runs deeper Uh, mr isom told us what he thinks now it's time for him to listen to us.
1: Okay, so what are you su- suggesting the problem is? Because I have to say that a, a captain making $425,000 to most Americans does not seem like the problem. Well, you're focused on the money. We're focused on our passengers right now.
4: And the problem is, is that they've sold tickets, that they don't have the ability to fly. And uh, Mr. Ison said in a quarterly call, we're perfectly staffed for the summer.
1: We're ready for the summer. And we have sized the airline for the resources we have available. Again, we size the airline for the resources that we have available.
4: He was wrong, or they mismeasured everything. Bottom line is, they're not getting it done. The answer is in the operation. This is the second summer. We're focused on getting these airplanes reliably and safely to their destination. And right now, not only are we fighting clear sky failures... We're fighting the weather, but we've got management not giving us the tools to get the job done. Well, let's
1: talk about those tools. What I'm trying to understand is, are you are you trying to get more money for your people, or are you just trying to get more people? Because it sounds like you need more people right now. And I don't know if that is a, is a money story, ultimately. It, the story is they're
4: underutilizing the pilots they have. They failed to train us, keep us current, coming out of the pandemic, and we're in the second summer of this. It's a failure to plan. Is a shortage of planning that's what we're focused on. The only way that our company can return to uh, profitability and be reliable is through us working with us. That is the answer. That's not happening now. And we have this stunning 4th of July. But this is the uh, part
1: I don't understand. Why isn't it happening? And at the same time, clearly you're asking for more money. Nobody's going to have a problem with you asking for more money. But at the same time, as we're looking through some of these numbers, it seems it it seems to me, based on what you're saying, is you need a lot more pilots to be hired, right? Is that, is that the problem? You're saying that's not the problem? It's the chicken or the eggs. See, management has built a schedule, sold
4: tickets for an operation they can't sustain, and everybody's saying, well, I don't have enough pilots to do it. You have enough pilots to do it. You're not utilizing us, and you built a schedule that's not tenable. That's
1: the bottom line. It's I don't understand, ri- but you're saying, I don't, how are you just explain this, and I, I apologize if, I, if I'm misunderstanding this. On one side, you're saying that you're being used too much, that there's fatigue and and that there's a problem uh, that that the pilots are being overused. Then you just told me that they're being underused. Which is it?
4: Well, here's the problem. When you push us to that edge, we have the FAA um, mandated maximums, we time out. Or in the case of making a fatigue call, we're required to be fit for duty. Duty, that's a strong word. We're not able to fly if we're not safe to fly. When management schedules us to that point, the schedule falls apart. They have pressurized the schedule and there are cracks in it. That's what's but then causing what, then what? But isn't the answer we need more pilots then? I'll go with that. Yeah. Bring them on. But Mr. Isom has said we're good on the main line. Here's the irony. They said they're short on pilots on the regional side, the smaller jets, the actual bodies for right. mainline, They said they're good to go. The worst cancellation performance is on the mainline. They are not effectively scheduling us and utilizing what they do.
1: We got got to go. Here's what I just want to know. Would you do you think that D.C. Washington should be regulating the airlines in a different way to help passengers, frankly, so that these type of, of cancellations and delays don't happen and it creates an economic disincentive or incentive, rather, for the airlines not to overbook?
4: hey, when you don't perform, somebody's going to come in and help you do that. What the answer is, we're going to find out. But uh, thankfully, Washington's very interested, and we are committed to getting this uh, back on track
1: again. Uh, Dennis, uh, we thank you. We do thank all the pilots because, boy, do we need you right now. Appreciate it. Cheese will be
0: next. Next on Squawk Pod, we're digging into the worst performing stock of that rocky first half, Netflix. Variety's Cynthia Littleton on what's gone wrong. Some of what made Netflix so revolutionary may be in this, in a
6: more competitive streaming environment, may actually be holding them back.
0: But media watcher Rich Greenfield says they're not held too far back.
3: Almost 30% of time spent streaming on connected TVs is Netflix.
0: At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time.
5: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do.
0: You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Stand by Joe, In three, two, one, his mic here.
2: Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC Live from the NASDAQ Market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan along with Andrew Ross Sorkin. We should be off today.
1: What? what do you mean we should be off? We're off on Monday. Yeah, well, we should celebrated. be off for Canada Day. Oh,
2: yes. Is, is there any holiday that you would say that we shouldn't be off for? Is there anything to, uh, no, no, that's a big one. Let me just say one yep. more thing. The uh, Paul Hickey, bespoke uh-huh. capital. Yep. The second half of 1970, we've talked about yeah, how. No, I wanted to know what happened. 26.7% gain. Gain? Yeah. In the Dow? Uh, I think the s and and p But if it was down 20 26.7 does not get you back to a, oh, a, an up year. It, True, so, but it would but be have some cash it, on the sideline. It would feel a, lot, feel a could, lot better. It would feel yeah. a lot better if you were, knew that you could buy today and get uh, 27%. That would be awesome. But I, we're not saying that. We're just saying that we've been talking about 1970 a lot, and that's what happened. It's the
1: worst stock in the S&P in the first half. No way. Netflix. Really? No way. No, I believe uh, it's lost more than two hundred and twenty seven billion dollars in market cap It's equivalent to the domestic box office total for the last 24 years combined. Joining us right now is Rich Greenfield, Lightshed Partners, Cynthia Littleton, Variety Co-Editor in Chief. Good morning to both of you uh, ahead of this holiday weekend. We appreciate you being with us. Uh, Rich, I'm going to start with you. Uh, the question of the morning, the question of the year for folks who've invested in Netflix or folks who are now thinking maybe I should be invested in Netflix, would you at these prices?
3: Look, we've had multiple crises of confidence of Netflix over the years, Andrew. You've been reporting on many of them. There, This is nothing new. There are times when people have just sort of given up on streaming or thought that the business was just not going to scale to the levels they thought. It's still really early, but think about what people are talking about this summer. Like what's been dominating viewing worldwide all summer long as we kick off summer. It's been been Stranger Things. Stranger Things has been, you know, it was number one for four weeks in a row and not, not just season four of Stranger Things. All four seasons were in the top four for four weeks straight. The reality is Netflix's problems has been they haven't had enough amazing kind of buzzworthy content the advertising is going to help grow revenue a bit right password sharing is going to help grow revenue there's no doubt expectations are too low for 2023 but the real driver of what's going to make netflix work again is the content has to be better than it was over the prior six to nine months which was definitely slower
1: i want to get cynthia in one second but what is the appropriate i mean what is the, in your mind, fair value at $174 right now, $175, what is fair value for this company and how much of it is an earning story versus a multiple story? What kind of multiple will ever, I mean, to the extent you see upside, how do you see that expanding if it does?
3: I think it really comes down to, Andrew, what do you believe the TAM for streaming are? They have 220 plus million subscribers. Do you believe that streaming is going to top out at 300 million, million 5 million, or 600 million? I think that very much determines how you think about the valuation of this company. We think this number is north of 600 million long term. Is it going to take a little bit longer to get there than we originally thought? It it will. There's no doubt that the pandemic and multiple other factors. I mean, we never thought Peacock would lose two and a half billion dollars this year. And so I I do think that the competition, as well as the pandemic, have certainly altered the sort of trajectory of Netflix. But in terms of the long term potential, I think okay. there's going to be several winners and Netflix is going to be one of them.
1: Hey, Cynthia, you've been doing some remarkable reporting on what's going on inside Netflix, uh, how things are shifting, how things are changing and maybe how they're not changing.
6: <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, it's been a, this this company has been a, a, a you know a thrill ride to cover ever since it arrived and certainly in the last 10 years, as it's set about just reorganizing the landscape um, I think I think what Rich said is absolutely true. I think for the broader entertainment industry, the question of, oh my goodness, is Netflix plateauing? It's something that's a lot less than one billion ish global subscribers that makes the that makes the terms of that potential business very different. You know, I think one thing from the creative community's point of view that will be very interesting to see when they have their earnings is, were they being overly conservative with that warning of the Q2 loss that could be as high as 2 million? Was that over, you know, was that a classic case of managing expectations so that they can beat that in a couple of weeks? I think that's something that the creative community is very, just like investors, is very interested to see how much it does that, did that warning indicate a plateau? Is, is and, your sense, that by the way, luck. though,
1: Cynthia, is your sense that, that all of these other companies which were chasing the uh, uh, the the Netflix sort of fever dream that they're going to that they're stopping that chase or that they've shifted that chase and does that then create more opportunity oddly enough for for Netflix in certain ways
6: <laughs> it's interesting you know figuring out where the content where the the rights are is is very much a game of three-dimensional chess i think that i i really think that they have some work to do, as Rich said, on the content side with the creative community. And I think they have some work to do. Some of what made Netflix so revolutionary maybe in this in a more competitive streaming environment may actually be holding them back. So what we do know is internally there is a lot of soul searching, a lot of very intense conversations about where the future,
1: where Netflix is going. We've got Walt Disney on the list. We've got Comcast on the list. We've got Warner Brothers, Discover on the list. I'm going to take Apple off the list for a second just because it's almost too diversified in, in, in regard to this. If you could own one, which would you own right now?
3: Look, I think when you when you look at sort of the trajectory of Netflix, this is still the dominant player. I mean, it's not even, it's not a question, Andrew. When you look out over the next few years, remember Netflix is still almost 30% of time spent streaming on connected TVs is Netflix. I mean, Disney for all of the success and fanfare, Disney plus is like 4%, add in Hulu, you're like 15%. I mean, Netflix is the dominant player in the way that TV is shifting. Has crisis of confidence? Absolutely. Has there been more competition? Sure. But I think I wanna follow up on your question, Andrew, because I think it's the right one. In a weaker economic environment where inflation is certainly having its impact, rates are going higher, definitely the consumer is weakening and advertising economically is slowing. Like You're gonna see more cord cutting, you're gonna see weaker advertising, and it's gonna be very hard for us to believe that all of these companies that have been plowing into streaming taking all of their good cash flow that they've been as they've been growing and burning it in streaming it's going to be hard to imagine they keep up that pace of investment in streaming when their core business is suffering and so i do think that there's probably going to be a sort of a benefit to those that are focused on streaming and don't have those legacy pains that I think the industry is gonna go through. And I think that's a very big topic to watch for and potential catalysts, not in Q2, but as you move through the year for Netflix.
1: Hey, Cynthia, we gotta run, but uh, just play the chessboard, the merger chessboard. If we had this conversation in a year or two from now, and I don't know, maybe this this administration may not allow any deals, so maybe we should just take that, but maybe I'll call you in 2026. You know, who's together, who's not?
6: I think, the, I think one of the biggest things that also that investors are going to want to hear about is you know the idea a lot of people in the creative in Hollywood and television are talking about this the idea of bolting on an ad sales division like this move into an ad tier is going to require so much investment from engineering to human labor that they need to pull this off it's that is really going to be you know it could be it's the kind of thing too you don't just bolt on an ad sales division, but perhaps that might spur some MA, as you said.
3: Okay. I don't think Paramount will be a standalone company, Andrew. Paramount's not a standalone company in your, okay? No way. In, in 2026, no way.
1: Um, have a great three day weekend. I don't know if you guys have a movie to watch. You have a recommendation for, for Joe and I this morning streaming or theater.
3: I can't believe I, you're not watching Stranger Things Part
1: Two. I just went
6: down the rabbit hole of severance.
1: And I'm Severance, a little okay. late to the party. I'm taking recommendations, so it's good. Rich, the old man. It's like you Lebowski.
2: Should, uh, Lebowski unchained, man. The old man. You should watch.
3: Severance is a really good show on Severance Apple TV+. Severance, I saw, Plus. It's great.
2: They got to do a second right. season. I don't know about Stranger Things, dude. I mean, how many times since Strange Things like that happen? You know what I mean? I mean, it's. No.
3: Joe, I thought you liked Stranger Things.
2: No, I don't. Like <laughs> the old man. Jeff Bridges. Joe? Yep. Hope you have a ball this weekend. Yep, you too. Margarita night, probably, I would say. You could use one. (laughs) Maybe.
0: And that's Squawk Pod for today and for the week. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. As always, we hope you tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern or follow Squawk Pod wherever you listen to podcasts. We will meet you right back here on Tuesday. Enjoy the long weekend. Happy July
5: 4th.